Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to Breath of Pragma. This is Dr. Dennis Daniels. It has been my pleasure and my honor to serve the people of the United States in the field of pulmonary and critical care medicine for over two decades. The song that you were just listening to is Celebrate He Lives by Fred Hammond. And of course, it's a very upbeat song um, about the resurrection of our one and only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to tell you that song is my ringtone and everywhere I go, whenever I get a call, people start dancing and, and everyone has to ask me what that song is. I like that song just because it's it's a very upbeat song. It's easy to sing to, but most importantly, it's a reminder of our one and only resurrected savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, once again, welcome to Breath of Pragma. This is week 21 of Breath of Pragma, if you can believe it. Here at Breath of Pragma, it's obvious now, our mission is to teach you how to love to breathe and breathe to love. We teach about lung health and we also teach about the breath of life and the power of the words we say um, as told to us by our Lord who created everything in the world. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it reads, chapter 2, verse 7, it reads, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living thing. In Job 33, chapter 4, it says, The Spirit of God has made me, and his breath, or the breath of the Almighty, gives me life. I don't think it can be any more clear than that. In Job chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Oh, remember that my life is a breath. The Lord who created everything has is the one who gave us the breath of life. And as you know, it here at Breath of Pragma, we like to remind people of some of the fallacies associated with people who believe in evolution versus those who know that the word of the Lord Jesus Christ is true. And, you know, we've said things in the past such as, if people believe we come from gorillas, then why are there still gorillas? If people believe we came from aliens, then we have to ask, well, then who created the aliens? What it boils down to is you either believe, because we are here, we came from somewhere, and you either believe that we came from a magical rock that showed up out of nowhere, and then somehow it got an energy source out of nowhere again, and exploded. And instead of exploding and destroying, it exploded and created. Now, when was the last time you saw anything explode and create something? Sometimes they try to say, oh, well, it wasn't a rock. It was a black hole. Well, the black hole still means that there must be matter and that matter must be in a certain space or location and it must exist at a certain time. And so it has to have time space and matter and i have to tell you that even then you have to say the things that made up the black hole because it's made up of matter once again showed up from nowhere there is one book one story that tells us the explanation of everything from the beginning that book has never been disproven and everything that book has said would come to pass has come to pass and that book 
is the book of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, let's just make it very clear right now. The Bible is not two separate books. There is an Old Testament and a New Testament. It is part one and part two of the exact same story. We literally mark time of the earth. We mark our time based on the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, B.C. and A.D. And so there's a, a period of time before the birth of Christ, and there's a period of time after Christ walked among, amongst us and died and was resurrected. And so we literally mark the time based on the birth and life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is one continuous story. Those of you who hang out with Christians, you will hear them frequently say that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. In other words, there's hints in the Old Testament about the New Testament. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In other words, when you read the New Testament, you now see the, the things that the Old Testament were predicting to come true. And so the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. What this boils down to is it is proof that it's one contiguous book. This is not two books um, or multiple stories. It's not a compilation of individual stories. It is literally one contiguous story, and it is meant to read that way. There's a beginning, Genesis, and then there is an ending, Revelations. And for those of you who want to know where we stand in this, we were not the ones who lived before Christ. We were not at the beginning. We weren't there with Noah and with Hezekiah and with King Solomon. We weren't there with Jesus and the disciples. However, you and I are part of what's known as the church age. So in the New Testament, after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he is risen and ascended to heaven, there are instructions that tell us how to live. And in those instructions, we are told to love each other, to have pragma love for each other. So the breath of life makes a clear reference to the greatest gift given mankind because it is the only gift that came directly from in God into our nostrils. God took clay and formed the shape of a man and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And if you say that just sounds like something you can't wrap your head around, well, I just want you to wrap your head around the fact that you yourself were nothing. You were not even visible by the, by the human eye. You were barely visible by a microscope. But then your mother grew you inside of her. And you became a very obvious, no doubt about it, living human being. And you started out as a little baby and you grew into the person who's listening to this now. And guess what? That happened to your mother and to your grandmother and your great, 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 great grandmother. And at the beginning, science has proven there was something called the Genome Project. And that has proven that at the very beginning, there was one male and one female all of our DNA can be traced back to one male and one female. They are literally called genetic Adam and genetic Eve. So here at Breath of Pragma, we want to encourage you to believe in the breath of life, but most importantly, breathe to love and love to breathe. So 
speaking about loving to breathe, you know, here at Breath of Pragma, we've covered multiple subjects with respect to lung health, and today is no exception. So let's uh, let's get medical. Um, our sponsors here at Breath of Pragma are Dr. Poppy, and you can find her at drpoppy.com, and our other sponsor is Executive Pulmonary Medicine, and you can find them at executivepulmonarymedicine.com. You can also find links to their site on our Breath of Pragma website. People ask me sometimes, what does pragma mean? And pragma is one of the many types of love. So people have heard of, of eros, which is romantic love, and uh, storge type of love, and agape love, which is the kind of love that you have for God. Storge is the love of family members. Philos is the love that you have for friends. Um, pragma love is the type of love that we are supposed to have for strangers for our neighbors, for every other human being that we see as we respect them and honor them and acknowledge them as one of God's other creatures. Pragma love is the actual practical application of everyday acts of kindness, which interpret, which, which interpret themselves as being a type of friendly love that we share with people on a daily basis. So if you're mowing your lawn and then you say, you know what, it's only a few more minutes, I'm out here, I'm going to mow my, my neighbor's lawn too. That is pragma love. That is an act of pragma love. Um, if you're driving down the street and you wave at somebody to say hello to them in the hopes that it would make them feel appreciated and acknowledged, you would be shocked how a simple wave and a smile can make people feel. But when you practice doing that on a daily basis, that is pragma love. I told a story a few weeks ago. I went to my son's graduation at um, Ozark Community College, and the governor spoke there. And the governor's theme, one of the major points he made in his graduation speech was, you have to be kind to people. Be kind to people. The governor of our great state is literally telling you, spread pragma love. Of course, he didn't use those words, but that's what pragma love is. And I'm going to tell you, when you, you can tell when pragma love is missing because pragma builds up love and relationships. And the relationships become so strong because it's an everyday practical application. If you want to have strong teeth, you brush you brush your teeth every day. And if you want to have a strong relationship with someone, then you show them pragma love every single day. You wake up and you make breakfast for people you love. You wake up and you're kind and considerate of the people that you love. And you do things on a regular daily basis. That is pragma love. The everyday practical application of doing nice, nice things. When it is missing, family members quit speaking to each other. When it is missing, divorces occur. When pragma love is absent, it is horrific. The other types of love, when you study it and when you read the, the people who specialize in, in writing about the different types of love, none of the other types of love have any value or any longevity unless they are built on pragma love. If you have an eros relationship with someone, a romantic relationship with someone, but you're not doing acts of pragma love for them on a daily basis, guess what? That relationship is going to fail. The absence of pragma love 
is one of the best ways to understand what pragma love is. It was kind of like when I was talking about oxygen before, and I said, okay, if you want to know the importance and value of oxygen, hold your breath. And after a few minutes, you will have to breathe because your body's going to miss that gas exchange. Your body's going to miss oxygen. And so having said that, let's get medical. So this week, I wanted to talk about a particular vitamin. We're going to talk about vitamin D. Now I'm going to tell you up front, number one, this is somewhat of a controversial subject. If you put 100 doctors in the room, you could probably end up with 30 or 40 different opinions about the value of and the proper use and even the dosing of vitamin D. There are a lot of variables involved. So the things that I tell you about vitamin D are meant to be a discussion, a talking point for you and your healthcare provider. Remember, develop a pragma relationship with your healthcare provider. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with smiling and waving and greeting them and being kind to them every time you see them. And they should be that way with you. And because you are that way with it, with each other, you're building that pragma relationship, then they can take time to help you understand some of the complex things in medicines. Now, vitamin D is, is one of those complex things. So there are fat-soluble vitamins. Um, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. A, D, E, K. Well, that's four. And then um, these four fat-soluble vitamins basically can be stored in our body. So we might not need them necessarily on a daily basis, but we do need to have enough of them to get by. So vitamin E deficiency has been associated with inflammation in the body. Vitamin A, of course, people correlate that to your eyes. And I'll tell you a very interesting story about vitamin A. So if you end up with too much of a vitamin, that's called hypervitaminosis A. So hypervitaminosis A or hypervitaminosis E or hypervitaminosis D, all that means is that you have too much of that type of vitamin in your blood. So there's a classic teaching that says if you're in an airplane and it crashes on the North Pole um, they, and you manage to kill a, um, a polar bear, which, by the way, you will not. If you see a polar bear, you literally have to outrun the person next to you because somebody is not going to make it. Okay, these things are 10 feet tall and, and weigh 1,500 pounds, and they run faster than you, they're stronger than you, and they will devour you if you don't have something to defend yourself. But anyway, back to this story. If you see a, a, a polar bear and you manage to kill it, they tell you, don't eat the liver, because the liver of this bear is supposedly very high in vitamin A. And if you get too much vitamin A, that can actually lead to increased intracranial pressure. In other words, it'll make you have high blood pressure inside your skull and in your brain. It'll give you the worst headache of your life and then you die. So if you eat too much vitamin A, there's a horrific outcome. So let's talk about the first part of vitamin D that is usually controversial. So, and, we're, and, and, and this is, you know, a lot of information to cover. This will probably just be a very basic introduction. And remember here at Breath of Pragma, we always want you to complete these conversations with your personal healthcare provider. So um, when people talk about vitamin D supplementation and vitamin D levels, you frequently hear people say, oh, well, you don't want to get too much vitamin D. But here's 
here's where the rubber hits the road. I, when I hear people say that, even other clinicians and peers, I say, okay, what are the bad effects of too much vitamin D? What are the bad effects of hypervitaminosis D? Because vitamin D makes you absorb calcium. And so this, this calcium, uh, if, if you're low on calcium, you can have a lot of health problems, including abnormal heart rhythms and low blood pressures and generalized weakness. And that's why when you take vitamin D, you actually see improvement in muscle function. And we'll talk about the benefits of vitamin D because that is really the most important part of, today, of today's discussion. But um, if you take too much vitamin D and you have too much calcium, you can actually start to have too much calcium in your urinary system and you could get kidney stones. If you get too much calcium, too much calcium, that can actually cause some abnormal heart rhythms. And if you have a lot of calcium, your body has to put it somewhere. So your body might actually start putting that calcium in your blood vessels and in your soft tissues. Sometimes if you hear of a CAT scan report, you might hear them say there was calcifications in the blood vessels. That means there was inflammation in those blood vessels and they healed it and they protected themselves by filling those blood vessels with calcium. Very, very high doses of vitamin D have been associated with um, bone fractures as well. And so it's very interesting because low vitamin D has been associated with broken bones and too much vitamin D has been associated with broken bones. But in the people who had too much vitamin D and broken bones, those were not really strong studies. And here's what it boils down to. Anything that anyone tells you about vitamin D is just not well established. We have a bunch of small research, but we don't have big ones. And we have research on, on uh, elderly people and people in Africa and people in London and, and different things like that. And there's small studies. I've seen studies on vitamin D where they only have 62 people in the study. Well, there's 7 billion people on earth. So the way vitamin D acts in 62 people can't tell you anything about how it's gonna act in the other 7 billion people. So that's one of the problems with vitamin D. Let's talk a little bit about vitamin D deficiency and then we'll try to make a couple comments on vitamin D supplementation because that really probably is the most controversial part of all of vitamin D. So here we go. The first thing I'm gonna tell you is there, there was a study that showed people who were in the ICU with COVID had lower vitamin D levels than the people who did not need the ICU. So it was thought that there was some protection. There are studies that say vitamin D levels above 50 um, was associated with decreased respiratory tract infections, decrease in certain types of cancers. There's some cardiovascular um, events that are that are controversial. Some studies say that it might help with uh, your heart health, and some studies say that it might not have an effect on your heart health. But I want to tell you how amazing vitamin D can get. Vitamin D, low vitamin D levels are associated with worse asthma and lower lung function. And higher vitamin D levels in people who have asthma, they have um, a higher level of something we call the forced expiratory volume in one second or the FEV1. There was just recently a study on um, COPD, and I want you to hear these words. It was, it was um, uh, printed in Chest Magazine. Uh, some doctors call it the Blue Journal. 
and um, it was just within the last week or two. But that study showed that low vitamin D levels are associated with an increased chance of getting COPD and increased chance of having severe COPD. And there was even some hints in some research of increased chance of dying from low vitamin D in people who have things like COPD. Um, what it boils down to is there's not a part of your body, including your immune system, that isn't affected by vitamin D. So if you have too little vitamin D, then you need to fix that and fix it fast. Too much vitamin D, quite frankly, might not be that much of a bad problem if you don't have a high serum calcium. Honestly, that's what it boils down to. And let me let me tell you something that's going to blow your mind. This will drive home how important vitamin D is. They took vitamin D and they gave it to pregnant women. And the women that took vitamin D supplementation, when their children were born, the babies of the women who took vitamin D had less wheezing. I want you to follow that now. They gave vitamin D to the pregnant woman and the babies had healthier lungs. Now, you know, this the, the program's getting short here and there's a lot more to say. Uh, vitamin D supplementation has been shown to help prevent certain types of cancers. And I don't want to use that word uh, prevent to the point that I want you to think if you take vitamin D, you're not going to get cancer. I want to be very careful about how we say that. But here's what it boils down to. Low vitamin D levels are associated with increased chance of getting cancers like lung cancer and colorectal cancer. Um, we give vitamin D supplementation in treating certain diseases such as tuberculosis. Right now, there are some people out there that might argue, if you take all the research we have on vitamin D, then what it really boils down to is we don't know. Because there's some research that says it's good. There's some research that says it's bad. And But, you know, too little water is bad and too much water will kill you also. And it's the same thing with everything. But what it boils down to is you have to speak to your doctors about vitamin D and about the appropriate vitamin D supplement level. Now, I'm going to say this about vitamin D supplementation. You do not want to take vitamin D2. You want vitamin D3. You want cholecalciferol or vitamin D3. Make sure when you get it, it has a three at the end of it. The two gets converted, but you have to get into sunlight for it. And the vitamin D2 level, it, it doesn't get converted into the active form of vitamin D as, as effectively as the vitamin three. So having said that, when you get supplementation, you want the vitamin three. Without spending too much time on it, um, I would say that the vitamin D supplementation needs to be on a daily basis. I've seen one regimen, and this is one that I don't mind repeating, but it was a, a source that said people who have a low vitamin D, what they do is they give them 50,000 units a week for four weeks, and then after that, they give them one to 2,000 international units daily. And then they measure those vitamin D levels in another three months or so. The goal is to get your vitamin D level 
to a very good level. And that's somewhere between 30 and 50. And you have to be careful because some of the research is in nanograms per deciliters and some of the, the research is actually in millimole measurements. And so you have to look at which type of units the lab that you and your doctor are using to determine what is the right level. So that's why I can't sit here and quote levels because they're significantly different. And so you have to discuss this with your healthcare provider um, and you know take a look at the lab and take a look at the units. But just here's the point. If you're vitamin D deficient, get it up to normal as fast as you can. And then do what you need to do to maintain it. People who are vitamin D deficient don't eat enough foods that are high in vitamin D, such as certain fish, for example and um, they don't get enough sunlight or they can't absorb it because they have um, a pathology in their stomach like um, inflammatory bowel disease or they can't absorb fats well remember vitamin d is a fat soluble vitamin and so in those cases you might need to take higher doses to get it up to normal so hopefully we said enough about vitamin d today to help you all uh, encourage you to say we really need to speak to our doctors about this. But when it comes to asthma and COPD, including uh, you know asthma in children, it's a no-brainer. Vitamin D supplementation is helpful, and you need to speak to your healthcare provider about getting an appropriate level. Here at Breath of Pragma, we want to thank you for joining us for yet another week, and I just want to say to you that the breath of life is the most powerful gift ever given. And I want to encourage you to use it for kindness, to use it for good, to use it to be kind to people. You know, there's another verse about the breath of life, and it reads, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. When Jesus breathed on the disciples, that was how he gave them the Holy Spirit. That tells you how powerful the breath of life is. Be kind, say nice things, do nice things. Be brave enough to be nice. Be the person that you would want as your neighbor. Be nice. We'll see you next week.